Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, welcome <coughs> to the show. Getting a little bit of a belated start. And my voice, of course, has disappeared. <coughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, we had a little bit of a glitch. We did start on time, but we weren't getting out. And so we're restarting. <laughs> Um, uh, so welcome. This is the August 26th version of, uh, of the program and, uh, it is, uh, Monday. Okay. Um, I'm just going to skip some of the hemming and hawing I did, um, earlier when I thought I was on. And, uh, <sighs> talk about, uh, I don't want to, I was going to talk about Trump and I just can't, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, here's Milton. Just as you asked if the YouTube issue meant that you were not broadcasting, your broadcast ceased. So I was up until then? At 7.44 into the program, it went down. So you, you, I was out there? Oh God, I don't understand anything. Okay, I'm I'm gonna um, I'm just gonna totally start something different. Okay, so I you may recall that last week I mentioned uh, uh, a documentary about a factory in Ohio that had been a General Motors factory and then was closed down during the recession and then uh, was repurposed and reopened by a Chinese company uh, making uh, auto glass uh, windshields and windows for cars. And uh, the documentary had gotten a rave review. Also, it was the first um, time that uh, the Obama's uh, new production company, uh, I guess, jumped in. And uh, I did watch the documentary. And yes, the chief producer is the Obama's company, whose, whose uh, name I'm blanking on now. Uh, so I cannot recommend this documentary <laughs> enough. I felt as I watched it that I was watching the future and it was a scary future to my mind. It was a future in which China will be the world's greatest power, economic power, uh, replacing, of course, us, and where the Chinese culture will begin to have, uh, you know, the impact that uh, our culture had. Because when you're the biggest guys on the block, uh, you, you call a lot of shots. 
And uh, what happened at this plant uh, outside Dayton, Ohio, the culture clash that occurred uh, between the American workforce and the Chinese who came in to run the plant uh, is mind-blowing. At least it was to me. And all of this captured just incredibly uh, in the documentary where uh, somehow these uh, documentarians, it's a husband and wife who happened to live near Dayton, uh, were able to shadow the Chinese uh, even when they're talking trash about the American workers. And also, I was blown away uh, by it. Um, when the Chinese took over this plant in, I'm, I'm going to get the years maybe wrong, maybe in 2014, okay, about four years ago, five years ago, um, they brought, obviously, renewed hope to uh, so many people who'd lost their livelihoods when GM closed down. GM, where their families had worked for generations, um, over 2,000 people lost their jobs when that plant closed down. So when the Chinese came back repurposing the plant, uh, they hired uh, over 1,000 people so and intended to be hiring more. And they, they bring with them their manufacturing operation their equipment, their, the way they organize uh, their management. And they brought over a, a, a big number, uh, you know, maybe a hundred Chinese workers to teach the Americans how to operate the machinery, to supervise the Americans, um, and I gotta tell you, it's like, it, you, it is like alien. It's an alien culture <laughs> in every way to an American. And the Chinese are shown in these classes that they're giving their Chinese workers here who have come to Dayton how to deal with the Americans who are like aliens to them. And some of what is said as they try to describe Americans to the workers is so offensive, <laughs> so condescending, so off-putting, and sometimes so spot-on that your head spins to see how this 
upcoming global economic power perceives the declining economic power, that's us, with such clear disdain. I scribbled down some quotes from some of the Chinese uh, guys uh, trying to figure out how to... The teacher, the guy who was telling the other Chinese how to deal with Americans, first started with the fact that uh, they're, per, you know, they are personality. They, he said something like, "Here, your personality is allowed to be free." And the Chinese guys that are sitting there listening to this are like, they don't even, again, alien. We to them, they to us. They are told Americans are direct. They are obvious, was one of the words. They are obvious in what they want. They don't deal in abstraction. They don't deal in theory. And before the thing ends, well, wait, here's another. They're talking about American characteristics. And listen to this. They said, the Chinese guy is telling the other Chinese, they are overconfident. That's spot on. They are overconfident. And they really respond to flattery. It's like they think we're an entire nation of Donald Trumps. They are overconfident. They respond to flattery. And at one point, this guy says to these poor Chinese guys who have to go out on the factory floor and supervise these alien creatures, Americans, he says, we need to guide them. We need to help them. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. And then as, as the documentary goes on and as you see the Chinese efforts, the Chinese start freaking out because it ain't working. Production is way lower than they expected. So now they see the American workers as lazy as complaining, and more than once you hear the Chinese say they cannot be managed. The Chinese did not want a union. Obviously, with when this was a General Motors plant, these were unionized workers. When the Chinese took over, the workers were flat out told, ain't going to be any unions here. And I thought, isn't that interesting? The Chinese, supposedly they're communists. <laughs> communists are supposed to be all about 
workers. And let's be clear, the Chinese economically are capitalists. It's just they don't they haven't copied our love of civil liberties. So they have embraced capitalism, clearly. And you see it in the documentary. They have embraced capitalism. But they absolutely do not embrace our personality, individual-driven idea of freedom. So the... the future colossus astride the global economy, China, has an entirely different view of workers. And believe me, it's not one you'd want to work under. It's uh, workers as little cogs, little yes-men, little, you know, really working hard. Uh, really working hard. And the Americans are talking about safety issues. Why, that's not safe. It's this, that. Because we have been brought up to believe, because of unions, that there should be safety uh, as a number one priority in a factory. Um, They talked to one guy who worked for GM for God knows how many years. And as soon as the Chinese take over, he has his first workplace injuries. He's like going around like this. It's... A culture clash that's mind-blowing. And the Americans try to bring a union in. This all happened in Dayton. The workers got so freaked out that they tried to organize a union. And boy, did the Chinese clamp down on them. They flat-out fired whole bunches of them which I thought was against national labor relations, uh, you know, our, our law, and didn't seem like anything happened as a result. Uh, I won't tell you the, the end result, but um, this was mind-blowing. The Chinese, uh, you know, like were dumping paint and uh, chemicals right down into the sewer, and, and um, the Americans were saying, no, no, you can't. No, you can't do that. That goes into the groundwater. You can't. And he says there was no sense of environmentalism, no sense of human or worker rights, none. But mostly it was the disdain. Here's another quote. They're pretty slow, said one Chinese person to another. They have fat fingers. They look so down on us. And you know, Americans aren't used to being looked down on. We're the ones who've been on top looking down. I got news for you. That's what the future is going to be.
It is a frightening piece. It's called The Factory. It's on Netflix, and I highly recommend it. We have a caller. Caller, go ahead, please. Hey, Lynn, it's Mike in D.C. Hi. Yeah, I saw The Factory, too, and what surprised me most was the workplace safety issues. <laughs> the, the Chinese had no regard for workplace safety. None. And in an American business, if you come and say, hey, you know what, carrying this could really hurt someone, and, like, the whole production would stop if it were an American, because companies don't want to be sued for you know, losing an arm. So that's a really surprised me that they came here and they didn't really understand or care about um, many of the workplace safety laws. They just thought it would be a factory like it was in China. Right. So even, even disregarding the cultural divide, like the work, the lack of workplace safety just shocked me. Yeah. Yeah. And the American workers are like, what? What? I mean, they're 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 stunned. Um, but the disdain that the Chinese had for the American worker was mind blowing. I think I I'm not surprised in the slightest. I mean, anybody who travels abroad says the world disdains us, and some of what they said, or most of what they said, is correct. We do have fat fingers. We are lazy. Um, and But what they don't understand is because of our individualism, in order to um, get something from us, you have to act differently. And I do was amazed when they said, yeah, flatter them. Yeah. Like you said. That they, yeah. But I don't think that's just the president that's like that. I, I think we're... that's our whole culture with Facebook and Twitter yeah. and yeah. Yeah. All a bunch of children, you can just say, good boy or good girl, and they light up. Yeah. And at Fine, one point, them. yeah, you know, the, the chairman, as he's called, the, the head of the company. Um, wow. <laughs> uh, he was smart in that at, when just decorating in his office somebody wanted to put up a picture of the great wall and then maybe put up a picture of some like the statue of liberty or something and he said no 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 don't put up any chinese pictures put up american pictures he said when in rome when in rome but if you fast forward to towards the end of the video they show the entry yeah. <laughs> of that exact same place and yeah. there were two flags there yes there was a Chinese flag and the American flag. So that guy didn't listen to him. <laughs> and he may know to do that when in Rome, but he sure, certainly didn't run the company as when in Rome. No, no, not at all. And the turnover rate for them, and the turnover rate was exorbitant. Yeah. And yet, do you remember, had you, did you hear how much they make? Well, I saw the one, dollars yeah, an hour. one woman is quoted in it as saying that she made $29 an hour at, General Motors, and now working in the same building for this Chinese company, she was making 12. Yeah. So they go through all of that. They risk their life for $12 an hour. And now, then, I know when times they, it must be hard there, but really. Yeah. 
When somebody said that, you know, I, they were having this one guy go in to this 200-degree room and do something, and again, right. there was a safety, safety, hello, and, and then you see the Chinese saying, the Americans are afraid of heat. And I'm curious to see who's going to win. Are, are the Chinese going to say, wow, American companies don't torture their people or let them in risk, risk their danger, their life, or are American workers going to have to start risking their lives because Chinese companies risk their lives? Chinese people risk their lives at work. I'm interested to see how that's going to play out without unions. I... And boy, did you see that they paid some company a million dollars to keep the union to, uh, out. come in and yeah, persuade and they, people not to be a part of the union? And it worked. It worked. They kept they scared yeah, the people enough that the union, yeah, failed. Uh, and were you surprised? I didn't know. I those poor people need jobs, and they that's what did it. And they said it was the young people. Who were the difference in 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 uh, the young people folded more than the older people who had had union representation, who knew a different way, and the Chinese were able to really scare the bejeebers out of young people who just wanted or needed a job. So, to your question about what's going to give, I, I think America is going to give, and American workers are going to give. And we'll be walking in furnace rooms at 400 degrees for 17 seconds or whatever. I don't know. It's amazing. Amazing. So that guy that was doing that was walking into a furnace room for, you know, 20, 25 seconds at a shot. was making $12 an hour. Right. And he had no protective gear at all. Right. And also in the documentary, you saw where the Chinese were already heading into uh, totally robotic to get rid of these friggin' workers altogether. So they show how the future is. I mean, there was this guy showing the chairman through a plant and saying, we will have this robot going and we can replace four workers here. We can get rid of four more workers here for... And this is like great. They're just throwing people out onto the street because it'll maximize their production and their profit. And people be damned. They're not going to deal with these American workers. They're going to have robots. Yep. Okay. Just so, so neither is going to win, really. Neither yeah. the Chinese way of exploit their worker or the American well, way of protect the worker is going to win. Well, it's just going to be robots doing everything. Well, but the Chinese win. The Chinese win. But yeah, and that's another thing. Where are the American billionaires who want to do this? Like, that Chinese billionaire did this because he knew he'd make money. And he did, eventually. But where are the, where are the American billionaires? Make America great again? How about you, Hobby Lobby billionaire, or... Chick-fil-A billionaire, how about you open up a glass plant somewhere in the middle of the you know, dust belt? Well, yeah. All right. I hear you. You would agree people should watch. You watched it. People should watch this. Oh, my God. Watch yes, it. Yes, but it wasn't as good as I thought. I read the reviews, 
And the reviews just made it sound so compelling and so um, I th- uh, wonderful. What I think it was like I, a look it, at the, it was like dystopian. It was like, I think the scary, this was scarier than any horror film. This to me was terrifying. It was surprising to you. Yeah. I, it, was it? Yeah. It wasn't surprising to me in the slightest. I don't know. I guess Not just seeing just seeing the human element, the you know, you got to know some of these. I just seeing it brought down to a human level that I could comprehend. Um, I don't know. It terrified me. Anyway, thanks. Thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Okay. Have a good day. Bye. We have another call. Caller, go ahead, please. Hello. Hi. Uh, hey, Lynn. I don't think that's going to fly here. Because you could go, if you're paying $12 an hour, you could find a job pay $12 an hour if that's their whole idea of that. They could send their call me a sass right back over to China where they belong. That's how I feel about that bullshit. That just pisses me off. Another thing that pisses me off this shit everybody's saying the American worker is lazy. I worked in the building trades. I worked in factories. There are hard-working people out there. So this notion of someone saying that you have a certain group of people that are lazy, but the majority of the workers are hard workers in America. I don't buy that one damn bit. Okay. That's all I have to say about that right. subject. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Rogers writes, your description of the Chinese use of flattery with Americans reminds me of a South Park episode (laughs) where the Japanese were responding to sanctions against their whaling practices. In classic South Park exaggeration, the Japanese fishermen were seen not only killing everything in the ocean, but invading SeaWorld and killing all the performing orcas and dolphins. And then they stormed football and baseball stadiums, killing the Miami Dolphins and the Florida Marlins. God, South Park. Uh, and then he adds, this I did not know, this, this, this bit of history, uh, this bit of history, Escape me, Roger. The Japanese avoided... Oh, 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 oh. I thought you were actually... Oh, in the episode. The, the Japanese have finally avoided war by complimenting Americans on their large penises. And that worked. And that would work for Trump. Oh, God. Tracy writing from Los Angeles says she's a former Pittsburgher and long time on and off listener to my shows. And she said, this weekend I listened to the discussion you and your sister had last Tuesday. Just wanted to say you echoed a lot of what Marianne Williamson has to say, (laughs) especially how our children are traumatized. I don't know your thoughts on her, but please take a look. She gets it. Yeah, she may get it, Tracy, but she ain't going to get the nomination. Some of what she is saying is of value. I agree. But she's just a little too generally flaky for uh, the political arena. Or not. 
I mean, look, we got a madman in the White House, so I don't know what to say. But I think a lot of what Williamson says I would probably agree with. And if she's talking about uh, how American children essentially have PTSD, I mean, when a kid goes to kindergarten and one of the first lessons they learn is what to do if a guy comes in wanting to kill him, um, I would say we have a nation of traumatized children. There's no way that's not traumatic. I sort of can't believe parents letting the schools do what they're doing. I I wouldn't want my kid to have that actor, active shooter training in the way they're doing it. I would not. I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, check out the factory. There was one charming little bit. There's one guy in there, one old American worker, who lucked out in that the Chinese guy who was working with him was just the sweetest soul. The Chinese guy away from his family, uh, missing his family, but open to getting what he could from this experience in America. And such a kind, wonderful soul. And the American who worked with him, I mean, just loved him. And um, I don't know if that's the same guy who had um, a bunch of these Chinese people over for to his house for Thanksgiving. I think it was Thanksgiving or maybe Christmas. I'm not sure. He opened up his home. He said he got the biggest turkey he could find. He got a big ham. He got all the trimmings. And he had these Chinese guys come to his house for this big American feast. And then because he'd heard that in China they're not allowed to have a gun. He got his guns out. <laughs> this is so classic. He got his guns out, and he set up, I guess, some like a shooting range on his property, and there are these pictures of these Chinese workers for the first time, their hands on a gun or a rifle, they had the time of their lives. They were having so much fun with this American guy. And he said some of them even went, you know, got on his Harley with him and he took him riding on the motorcycle. And, you know, you see there was just these, there wasn't much of that, these glimpses of how humans can connect on a very human level. But, woo, let me just say this Chinese capitalism is every bit as horrific as the runaway capitalism we have been enduring in this country. And um, it's made even worse by, as the caller has pointed out, a total lack of giving a damn about the worker. Nothing, not a damn about the worker. 
I suppose in China, you know, you can throw an entire factory out and there's, uh, you know, a million more people who want the job. I don't know. I want to tell you guys, this is strange, and it's a story, I'm not, I wish I had more detail on it, Um, but I was reading an editorial about uh, the the Greenland thing, you know, Trump offering to buy Greenland, and Denmark freaking out, and Greenland freaking out, and and, um, the fact that we do have them. Uh, Air Force uh, installation in Greenland, on Greenland. Um, And all of a sudden, as I was reading this, it triggered a uh, memory that I had and a story that was told to me that I never repeated to anybody. So this is the first time I'm attempting on my own to recreate this story told to me um, a few months ago. And it was a story told by a relative of mine who's now old and ill. And I was sitting with him at a family wedding. And I can't remember exactly how the subject came up, but we were talking about, I wanted to, because I think he might not be around that much longer, I was really trying to let him know how much I valued him as a human being. And and so I was asking him about his life, and, um, and, and I said, you were in the Air Force, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, but it was... You're a little too young. It wasn't World War II, but were you in the Korean War? And he said, no, I was not in the Korean War, but that is the, the time of my, of my service. He said, I was at one point, so this is in the, it was, I think, it was the middle 50s. And he was <laughs> stuck on a, Air Force Base in North Dakota. Some of you will know if there's an Air Force Base in North Dakota or South Dakota. It was one of those. And um, he was young, but he was an officer of sorts. And he was put in charge of housing for the for the all the military guys there. And he told me that a black sold a black guy in the Air Force, they call them soldiers in the Air Force, came to him and said, Hey, I you know, we can't live on base because it's and and they were told to just go find uh go find housing in the town i don't know what town that would be some little city and 
And the black guy said, we can't, no one will rent to us. And my cousin said, but there's lots of places. What do you mean no one will rent to you? And the guy, and so this, my cousin, he's sort of what he is, my cousin said, he called, he said, I got the newspaper and I looked at places for rent and I started to call them and asked if they had, if, and and he said he got, yes, yes. We're, and then he would give these addresses to the, the the black guys who had come to him and said they were having trouble finding housing. Black guys would show up at these doors and they were told, no, there wasn't a place. So my cousin was appalled. He, you know, he didn't know about living while being black. He went to his officer, whoever he reported to, and he said, we've got to do something. These people can't find places to live. And we're, and I, I guess the barracks were not, I don't know. Anyway, he ended up sort of pressing this point with them because he was appalled. And he told me that he was reassigned and shipped off <laughs> to the base in Greenland. That's what, all of a sudden I'm reading about Greenland and our military presence here, and I was thinking, oh my God, that's where they made Hank go after he tried to flag for his superior officers that the black uh, soldiers were not getting treated properly and that they couldn't find housing and he was sent packing off to you know what was essentially Siberia I remember not that where he was in North Dakota was any great shakes but I remember thinking God almighty and Americans still just don't understand white Americans don't get it, what it's like, what it's been like, what it still too often is like to live in this country with dark skin. David writes, a couple of weeks ago, I had a rare pleasure to watch your show on a Thursday. I don't get to do that often. You had Sally on your show. Is she on regularly? I've had a crush on Sally for decades. No, she's not on regularly, but uh, irregularly. Uh, she is She is on. And uh, I'll try to remember that you have a crush on her. Okay. Um. This is an odd show, I know. Started strangely and So Trump's tweet over the weekend, I hereby order. You did you you did see that, right? 
Our great American companies are hereby ordered to immediately start looking for an alternative to China. This is an American president ordering private companies. Ordering. I hereby order. That's not how presidents talk. That's how autocrats talk. That's how kings and queens talk. But the last time I looked, when government could order companies where to go, what to do, who to have make business deals with, um, that's communism, <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it a state-controlled uh, economy? So I, he just, he blows me away. He went on to say. He's ordering American companies to bring your companies home and make your products in the USA. We don't need China, our president said, and frankly, we'd be better, far better off without them. <clears throat> Never mind that when Trump took office, China was our largest trading partner. They aren't anymore. They're our third, I believe, because of his tariffs. And China, of course, has gone looking for other, other people and countries to supply their needs. This is what Trump uh, is. He's just laying waste to uh, the American economy. And um, one person who negotiates on uh, the, a global scale, was heard to say, in negotiations, and especially in high-stakes negotiations, the side that reacts emotionally generally is the side that does not do well. And the U.S., with Trump, is approaching all of this foreign policy with pure emotion while China forget it they're not emotional they are calm and they are calculating and they are laughing at us and they are taking advantage as well anyone would Did you see the picture of Melania looking at Trudeau? Their noses are this far apart, and she's looking at him like they're like they're about to kiss. I mean, it's a sultry look, and he's looking down at her. And if you widen the picture out, Trump is holding hands with her, and she's looking like she's about to kiss Trudeau, and he's. I mean, it's the kind of picture that would uh, make um, Trump go berserk if he hadn't already. 
Uh, Diane says, don't know if you mentioned that uh, the film, The Factory, is the first joint project with, yes, I did, with the Obama's new production company. Thank you for reminding me the name of their company, Higher Ground. Yeah, right at the beginning it says Higher Ground Productions and Netflix bring you. Yeah. Well, you know, that GM plant went down uh, just as uh, tr uh, as Obama came in uh, to the presidency. It went down because of the, the recession, the horrible, horrible recession of uh, 2007 and 8, right? And um, that was one of the casualties, and all those people's jobs were lost. So it's interesting that in his post-presidential life, he he helps produce this story of what then happened to these American workers who used to have a good union job and who now go to the same building, but who now work for China. And they make less than half of what they made before. Oh, my. Tracy writes, Tracy is the one who said that I was, Susan and I were channeling uh, Marianne Williamson on last uh, week's show. Uh, she responds to what I said. She, Williamson knows she would never be elected I, I'm sure that's true. She just wanted to get sort of like, you know, the governor of Washington state, um, Inslee. He didn't really think with his single issue on environment uh, that he was going to get elected. But it is a way to insert your call to action um, into the the bigger discussion and to get attention paid and I'm sure that is of course why she jumped in and also why he did um, Tracy says she knows her voice is so important to hear at this time I just wish more people would take her seriously she's smart and yes way too deep for the American public but I'm hoping we can at least hear more of what she has to say on debate stages I don't think you're going to I don't I I don't think she did she make the cut? The next cut level is, uh, I don't know what, 2% uh, in a few polls and, um, and then uh, a certain number of, uh, of donors. And I, I don't know if she makes the cut. Uh, but I think, you know, th th though she was subjected to quite a bit of, of ridicule, uh, she also did get heard. And um, in fact, after the last, I think her first debate was shaky. But her second debate, I think she did really very well. And um, searches after the debate for her uh, were, I, I guess, just spiking. So that's what she wants to do. She wants to pull people over to hear um, what she has to say. I think she's been uh, doing very well. I just don't think she's going to be able to be on that stage much longer. 
I mean, Inslee, for instance, uh, he had a very important uh, message that, frankly, needed to be heard, that everything else we were talking about would come to naught if the friggin' globe goes up in smoke. And um, he's already out. So she outlasted him. Um, guys, I started um, a little late because we had a glitch, but I'm going to have to leave on time for me because I have an appointment uh, that I that I have to get to. So this is not going to be a full hour uh, show because we're heading into 11 o'clock now, and I need to I need to go, or I'm going to turn into a pumpkin. Uh, so. Um, I'll see you again tomorrow, and I'll um, I should have my sister Susan with us. Where who knows we may channel Marianne Williamson again. I don't know. I did want to talk somewhat again about the children that we are holding in cages, <laughs> still and detaining because there's there's more um, horrific news. Uh, about what our government is doing or failing to do for the people and the families that they are detaining. Enjoy this extraordinary weather, though. Has that not been a gift? Oh, my God. Enjoy this weather. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.